0: Hello and welcome. My name is Liva Ponovi, and this is episode 16 from Clan of the Horses, a podcast about horses and horse people. Dr. Gerd Heuschmann is a veterinarian, a rider, and a lecturer. And last but not least, he's the known author of the international best selling book Tug of War Classical versus Modern Dressage from 2007, a book that addresses why training based on classical principles works and elaborates on how it affects the horse's health and well-being if it is not ridden correctly. Gert is a productive man. I remember well when the DVD If Horses Could Speak was launched in 2009, where the audience is invited in to see the horses from the inside, and the book Balancing Act that followed in 2012, where the topic is horses' use in sports and a challenge of keeping them out of harm's way. And in 2017 came the book Collection or Contortion, exposing the misconceptions and exploring the truth about horse positioning and bend. It is like a calling, I think, when you are as productive as Gertrand, on an average spend five days a week traveling and teaching all over the world. I recently attended one of his clinics in Norway and followed up with this interview to get to know him better. Okay, Gerd, thank you very much for taking the time after a long, cold weekend in Norway to have this interview.
1: Yeah, of course. You're welcome.
0: I apologize for this being November. It's very moist in the air, so it's, uh, it hasn't been the warmest of weekends, I would say. Yeah, of course.
1: But we made it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm glad. So, um, you spend, you said, an average of two days at home, and the rest of the days you travel the world and uh, teach. Yeah. So uh, you need passion and a really strong engine to have that kind of life. And I always think it's interesting just to hear where where it comes from. What mm-hmm. sparked you off in this particular direction?
1: Well, this is a long story. I try to make it a little bit shorter. Uh, I had a when I was a young guy. Of course, I was infected by the horse virus, as many other people do. I grew up on the farm. My father, thankful. My father uh, gave us the chance to have horses. And we were just wild young guys riding. (coughs) So we we loved the horse, and we had not a certain, how must I say, a special teacher or something. So we just rode. And suddenly somebody uh, started to talk to my parents. He was uh, uh, the owner of a... Porcelain fabric and his way of contacting us was a little bit like an English lord, you know. So and he came up and he said to my parents, "I like your your boys. We are two brothers, but they need some. They had to. They have to be polished a little bit. They are quite wild. Yeah? <clears throat> and uh, can I sort of influence their their education a little bit?" And my parents said, "What do you mean?" And then the the answer was. Oh, Uh, I could open the door to some certain uh, trainers and so on. My parents finally agreed because I wanted to go to vet school, my marks were not good enough, so I had to wait in those days. We had a waiting list. I had to wait a little bit more than two years, and this uh, gave me, because I had uh, the high school, and I I could finish my my education, my imprintership, for as professional rider in a little bit less than three years so I it just fitted in and this man gave me the chance to ride in Warendorf, in our capital of the horse world and there were 50 guys who wanted to have this job and I don't know why I got it, so I went there because this guy opened the door and I was allowed to ride there but I, I don't think that this was my riding I think it was because I was a farmer's son and I was Strong enough to work, so probably they choose me th- because of this. But finally, I made my 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 uh, my degree as a professional rider in Warendorf with a Steinsbeck final medal. But this finally means nothing because when I finished, after I have finished this, I f- found myself hanging on horse's mouth and pulling on the rein. Yeah, this was uh, the end of uh, my first riding career because I went to vet school then, became a veterinarian. <clears throat> and when I then started over and restarted as a young veterinarian, I suddenly found all these young horses with back problems, contact problems, uh, horrible lame sometimes, And uh, they were three, not even three and a half years old, and they had 15 starts in some competition and so on. So I saw all these these things, and I became aware that a big part of my future work will be fixing stuff because of bad writing. Uh, Of course, it's hard to say this in public because you criticize your own clients, and... um, At the beginning, of course, you shut up and you just do the job and you want to find the leg which is lame and you want to find the joint and you want to diagnose and you want to be the best uh, diagnostic uh, doctor and so on. And after a while I realized that there's a big amount of lameness cases you cannot really truly diagnose with the veterinarian uh, equipment, even not with the fancy stuff. Uh, of course, there is some hot spot in a uh, scintigraphy and so on, but you find this in any horse. So there is a lot of the cases, of lameness cases out there who do not really fit in the veterinarian uh, view. And finally, I, I started to get into some literature and I ended up uh, with a term called rain lameness in vet school I heard this term also and I was told that this is just an excuse of some veterinarians in the old days when they didn't know what the horse had they would use the term rain lameness rain lameness but today I know that this is a true real real thing it is a lameness like problem caused by bad riding very high percentage of horses is fits into this corner. All the horses who don't, do not answer to a, 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 a diagnostic block, a nerve block or a joint block, and to whatever, if you don't have a clear anesthesia or a clear diagnosis, if you sum it up, yeah, a very, very high percentage of horses fit to this big department of brain lameness. And this was the first step for me to come back to the writing theory and to try to understand more about the classical writing. Um, And in in addition to this, about the same time somebody asked me if I want to take over the, the lessons in the German writing school where people come for the final tests when they want to become the professional writer. So this is the school... I learned the, at least the last one and a half year the first year I I was in a in a um, uh, a Landesreit und Fahrschule so a, a local a central riding school uh, for eventing and the last part I finished in this uh, uh, deutsche Reitschule in Wandorf german riding school <coughs> yes and these these guys asked me if I can take over this lessons because the veterinarian who did it before retired so and then I got a little bit more into the uh, biomechanics. We had a skeleton, and we started to try to answer why does a young horse need the neck, why is this a problem, why is the short neck, why is the horse crooked, and all this. And to, to answer all this why's, of course, I, I need to know more. And I started to read Steinbrecht and Drehausen and Walzer and Bürger and wallen uh, and all this very important old masters from the last two centuries. And uh, all these things started to clear up in my head, step by step, from year to year. You understand more, suddenly you know why a a curled neck causes a running horse or a lazy horse, why uh, a horse you pull the neck to the side or you pull the neck up um, causes damage in the back. So all these things fall in part. And the more it became clear to me, the more I started to yeah, to use this in my practical work as a veterinarian, and suddenly the first people asked me if I could explain this, what I do in my teaching in the, in the German writing school for the young professionals, if I could come to a, a winter meeting for, of a writing club, of a... A local riding institution, and then of a local federation, and so I, sort of the circles increased. Uh, the first year I travelled in northern Westphalia, and then the next year I had the first invitation to the south of Germany and some to Holstein in the very north, and the first invitation to Austria and to Switzerland and to France uh, followed, and <clears throat> so. A few years later, I was in every place in Europe. And then the first invitation to America came. And so, yeah, since then, it's almost yeah, more than 20 years now, I travel all around the world trying to explain why classical riding is the way to a soft horse and why classical riding is animal welfare, animal protection number one. The sad story is it's not very easy to learn. It takes a long, long time.
0: You point out that the classical tradition is uh, a key element to preserve uh, horse welfare. Could I ask you to elaborate?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I have to say this is not just dressage. Yeah. Of course, when we talk about dressage, we talk about the basic training every single horse in the classical disciplines should get. No difference if it's a show jumper or an eventer, uh, a supple horse we will come back to this term, I guess, should be a horse, sh- any horse should be a supple horse, uh, which can be produced later into dressage if it's talented in this direction or to a show jumper or to a eventer. But the classical system built on knowledge from the military time is a very, I can say, egoistic system because... A soldier's life was depending on the health of a horse. And if you are a soldier, you sit on a horse who jumps every fence, every ditch, swims every river, would not refuse to whatever, go wherever, because the enemy is behind you, you have quite a good chance to survive. And if this horse is treated well, trusts you, and has not a stiff, but a nice soft body, which we call suppleness as a criterion in our training system then this horse has a chance to last forever a soft elastic body in humans uh, a person who who is still elastic in in a higher age uh, is a healthy person if you are stiff because you work in the office and you you move from from the chair in the office uh, to the couch at home and you don't do more than this you will be a very stiff person of in, when you are 40 years old and you can be sure that you get joint problems. So if you are a mobile person, um, dynamic person, and you do this not excessive but with a plan and clear, you you can be healthy to high age. And it's the same in the horse. If the classical system tries to have a horse, which works in harmony with the rider, which is open to the rider, listening to the rider. The horse is not a slave, but a friend. They work together, and if this is this training leads to a very intense connection, there is trust, and this training also enables a horse to develop a strong body. The horse is ready to jump. This is all. This sports disciplines. This is not a problem for the horse. It's only a problem if you try. To shortcut the training, if you try to make the horse do things, if you force the horse, then either you get in trouble and the horse starts to fight you as a rider, you might also get in trouble, or the horse breaks. Yeah? It can be dangerous, and it can be a mixture out of both. And bad riding, wrong riding, forcing riding, the wrong idea about training destroys horses. This is the shortest the way you can say it. And this is what I... I don't want to be part of an industry. I don't want to be a guy who just repairs horses, like a person repairs cars. You drive the car, the car against the tree and you are be repaired. You can take it and drive against the tree again. Nobody has pain. If you have enough money, you can do it every day. But in a horse, there is a living creature and we are responsible for it. And so we should try to do a good job
0: so one of the aspects we've been talking about this weekend is pulling pulling on the reins and and kind of shaping the horse from the mouth by really you know um, which is really the opposite of what you teach but uh, I find it very interesting that you talk about the art of giving yeah and also interestingly enough we had an in quite a few horses um, in the arena today that were kind of shy of the people sitting there yeah and you say give reins instead of hold and if you have a horse who is really you know the speed or the tempo is too high you don't say pull the rein you say give mm-hmm. so can you elaborate a bit because i th- thought the results you got from these specific occasions during this uh, this weekend was really really interesting to see because yeah. it was a huge difference in the horse and the rider as well
1: yeah well this is a very um, obvious and clear thing <coughs> If you understand a horse as a horse, and we all should know that we work with a flight animal, yeah. So they have a, a completely different uh, uh, inside. I, I always call it a, a different software program. They they uh, f- meet a predator, and their their survival program says run, and. Uh, the, the physical symptoms of this survival program is physical tension. So the, the big muscle groups in the back, in the top line, in the group, tense, and the horse is ready to go. This is the flight program. So if you, as a rider, put some tension in the horse by the wrong idea of contact and so on, all this wrong a stiff seat, the bouncing seat, um, the horse's brace, as if there is a predator on the back who wants to eat him, and this causes a big physical and a res- as a result a mental tension. You sort of press the button, flight. Be ready to flight to fight for your life. You activate the sympatheticus, yeah. And what I learned is that the fascias have just sympathetic nerves, so you activate the whole sympathetic nerve system. And this is why even invisible small things can cause a spooky horse, can create this flight reflex. And as soon as you get rid of this physical tension in the horse's body, the horse calms down and the horse stops to run away. Most of the running, I have to say most because some you even cannot stop by this system, but most, more than 90% of the horses slow down as as soon as you give reins. When you go to a racetrack and you see a race for thoroughbreds and they cross the finish line, the jockey gives rein and the horse slows down. And if he wants to go fast in the race, he takes more contact. He takes a stronger contact and the horse speeds up. So... And of course, this is the horse's nature. If you if you put some some resistance in front of the horse's head, in the horse's mouth, on the horse's nose, they, they tense up behind and some horses rear, some horses jump in the air, some horses start to balk, some horses just run away from the rider's seat. So this this is a normal, natural behavior. The classical system built on a harmonious collaboration. So this means that the horse stays on your seat. It's not running away from your seat. It is like ballroom dancing. If your partner runs away from you, you have no chance to get a swing with him. So if you have to hold him all the time because he wants to escape, so it's a very good comparison. A a well-trained horse is not lazy and behind you, and it's not running away from you. It's just with you. And if if you give a soft impulse with with a clear soft leg aid the horse goes forward but it is not in a way that the horse wants to get rid of you you just speed up and you are with the horse and this is the key thing and a contact is something you finally get you offer something your horse your hand is there and you offer the bit and you tell the horse hey here's my hand if you like it there is also a question behind it and your your soft seat and your legs tell the horse hey go there and as Steinbrecht says in his book from 1884, Gymnasium of the Horse, the horse should fall in love with your hand, and this a, a, a well-trained horse loves your hand. It's a wonderful a, a collaboration between hand, rider's hand, soft hand, and horse's mouth. This is a contact, yeah? And this is not, contact is not making a horse do this or that or... Or flexing a horse's paw by pulling on the reins. As soon as you do this, you will never get a contact. Yeah, if you if you if you pull a horse's head down, there is not a single chance to get a classical contact with a swinging back. You cannot straighten your horse. You cannot collect your horse. You cannot train a horse by force.
0: So the use of draw reins you also mentioned today. <laughs> it's speaking of of you force. Know. Um, you said something I, I found very interesting that if if they are misused at an early age of the horse's education, mm-hmm. uh, there are patterns that would tend to stick in the horse's body forever.
1: Yeah. So number one, if you are good enough, if you are really a master in the saddle and you could use straw reins, you don't need them. And if you need them, you should not use them. So there is one thing clear in my eyes, this is absolutely an animal welfare issue. If you use draw reins, you abuse an animal because riding is forward, and draw rein is a break. And if you use a draw rein to keep, to hold the horse's head down, or even worse, to pull it down, you destroy this animal. In my eyes, and I will fight for this in the future, this this should be forbidden, as it is, is already the case in Switzerland. In Switzerland, it is in law, it's a, a law, official law, that if you use a draw rein, you get punished for it, and in the worst case, you get uh, you lose the allowance to have a horse. So this should be punished. This is as if you abuse an animal. If you abuse any animal and they get you, you get a severe punish. In the worst case, you go to prison, and it should be the same with draw reins. Yeah. Somebody who needs draw reins... He he shouts, he screams out, I have no idea about riding. I, I have no idea. I am helpless.
0: So if people, uh, if we use the terms to pull, to force, to push, um, I've I've met competition riders on high levels who say that in order to make a diamond, you need pressure. So you can't create a diamond without the pressure. And they use that like a metaphor for horse training. What would be your perspective? Uh, guess?
1: When you have a running horse, who let's—I like, usually it's the remedial horse, the horse wh- who is coming out of wrong training, a stiff horse. You ride him and he runs away from your seat. You have to use your hand for a second and tell him stop, stay here. And in this moment, of course, I have maybe ten kilograms in my hands because the horse is stiff and he really runs into my hands. But as soon as the horse stops, I give him a big thank you, give the reins, and he says, oh, no need to run away again. He stopped me, but now I can stand because he is, he's not squeezing me. So this is an approach you can use to correct those horses. So I don't, I, what I want to say is there are situations you have to touch this horse with a really clear hand or leg because they are stiff. But the goal is that you ride your horse with, let's say, the softest aid ever in your hands. And as Oscar Maria Steensbeck said, 1935, I think he published this book, I love to ride my horses with the breath of a trousers. So a horse can feel a fly. And the diamond, the nice, elegant swing, is something you you should get out of the horse's hind legs you get it by riding forward and riding transitions and not by holding in front and squeezing behind this a completely wrong idea that this nice expressive horses we see today this is not true diamond this is a this is a glass diamond because this is a horse under pressure the swing the passage trot is a result of a stiff back and not out of a elastic soft strong haunches so the suspension, if you see a passage where the hind leg stops in the air and then steps on the ground, you can give a zero or a two or a three in the protocol as a judge because this is a tenth step and not a passage. In a passage, the hind leg is round and f- floating, h- higher and a little slower, but it is not stopping in the air. Yeah. So what they call diamonds, these are stiff horses, and uh, let's say 90%. There, we have some really wonderful riders, but this is the minority. The majority makes horses do things. This is, has nothing to, to do with classical riding, nothing.
0: But if they, if they compete in, for example, dressage, they get quite high scores still. I know. But uh, we talked also about the rules, and the rules are pretty clear. Yeah. They don't seem to be what interpreted is, right or followed.
1: This exactly is the point that um, we have. When you read the FEI rules, this is wonderful. You know? you, you, you would sign it immediately. Perfect rules. Harmonious training, naturals, natural impulse. All the right terms are in these regulations. But the problem is that they... Got used over the last years, the last I would say maybe from the it started in the 70s, 80s. Last year, last century, we got used to the wrong way the horses move, uh, the wrong outlines, too high, too short necks, back down, no active hind legs anymore, dra- very lazy dragging hind legs. The horses ha- are not bent anymore. Yeah, they, they pull next to the inside, the horse's neck uh, to the inside and call this bend. This has nothing to do with the bend. Bending is the whole body from the pole uh, to the tail. And it is not uh, neck inside and a stiff trunk make the horse move lateral. This is not a half pass. This is leg yield with a crooked neck. So th- the whole system b- became a lie. Yeah, We have a few as t- I think, who know and who see it. But they have they only have two choices: either they howl with the wolves or they stay at home because the industry, if they speak out and they say the truth, they have to stay at home. This is a closed circle, and they they don't allow any any criticism. I tried many years, they hate me anyhow, so I can't speak out and but is for it's so sad because I fear that one day. From outside, somebody will give us regulations. In the worst case, we have to stop riding horses because there is no reason why we should abuse any animal in, an, in a cultivated culture. And in some cases, it is abuse. yeah. And if not in public, then sometimes at home. And many people know, but nobody dares to say it. And if we don't clean our own kitchen, somebody will do it for us. And maybe these are not experts, and then we lose our culture of riding. This is not culture, making a horse do some 10 steps and call this passage. This is so sad that we see all this.
0: You also, speaking of uh, you know regulation coming from the outside, you also mentioned a survey that I found rather interesting. Where Where people were asked in the audience to to judge the horses that they saw uh, in the arena,
1: yeah yeah uh, when uh, it happened in Aachen that they they asked uh, uh, auditors who were no horse people not involved which rides they would they like and which rides they don't like, and interesting wise these people most of the majority said the harmonious rides look the best and uh, the fancy and showy uh, presentations they dislike it and <clears throat> this was interesting for me because of course many people think when uh, a famous black stallions stallion takes his takes his front leg up to the lower jaw uh, this is good or yeah, some some grey horses uh, 2006 in in aachen in the world equestrian games uh, trot in a passage trot from there's not a single normal trot step. Um, this is not trot. This is stiffness. Yeah, But uh, the judges give eight and nine and nobody knows why. And everybody knows these horses break. They break down on the suspensories. They, they, you destroy the horses orthopedic health and nobody says anything. The whole industry accepts it. Of course the veterinarians live from, from it. I, I lived also from it. Uh, but and everybody knows that this is the reason is this way of training, but the whole industry makes money with it, and this is not honest.
0: And uh, you said, to quote what you said during the clinic, that money is poisoning the industry. Yes, of course. Which is really also my, uh, you know, what it looks like from my end. Yes, that that money is is more important, and it also then becomes the driver to take the the shortcuts because classical riding is not the shortcut.
1: Yes, it's a young horse should be a young horse, a kindergarten, uh, elementary school animal, yeah? neck down, nose forward, not spectacular. But as long as the industry finds people who, who give a, her incredible amounts of money for, for three-year-old potential dressage horses, of course some young people try or some trainers try to make these horses in the age of three years look like a 10-year-old Grand Prix horse and uh, try and hold and kick and push and of course if they get a few hundred thousand euros for a horse like this uh, then maybe i can understand why these people do this but we all know that only a f- very few of these horses survive this yeah. yeah, most of the horses break on the trip to become an adult dressage horse and time has come that Federation saying no, stop it. We don't want to see this. We don't want to see this on an auction. We don't want to see this on a an, on a competition. We want a three-year-old with a deep neck and a nose forward, and we want to see trot and not Passage uh, flying front legs. Yeah. But we, we got used to this. Yeah. And uh, I think somebody has some Federation has to be the first to say. We stop this now, every church has the order to ring the bell when a horse is not in a natural trot, and then we would clean our kitchen in one year, but they all want to be a little bit pregnant yeah they they put some little powder here and some powder there, a little bit better riding and uh, but when you talk to them, yeah, it's not so bad. And what are you talking? It's not so bad. It's Isn't it better? And it is the same bad as 20 years ago. It is horrible.
0: And my experience is that if you raise your voice against maybe not even the top riders, but if you raise a go- your voice on the horse's behalf, yes. then they will usually respond by talking about the emotions of the rider that the rider gets sad or insulted or angry or, or yeah, yeah. you know, because you raise your voice. But, but uh, really, these horses do need that voice.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, of course, if you are alone, you you can take all the criticism and you're an idiot and you have no idea. And they come up with my photos from my Frisian. When I sat on a, a, a horse for correction, I really stopped them because it was running in my hand. And this photographer pressed the button but she did not publish the, the photo when the neck was down and the nose was forward. This was a remedial situation, and I said, you have to take a stiff force how it is if you want to fix him. But, uh, yeah, so they, of course, they, they don't take the criticism. They start to defend. They say, yeah, this guy, is, he's not better than the others. Of course, I was pulling on the reins 20 years long myself. I made all these mistakes.
0: Well, w- weren't we all... Taught to make these mistakes in riding it, schools. To be honest,
1: yes, yes. When when I until I became a young writer, uh, I would hang on the horse's reins, and uh, I had no idea how to get a horse in balance. But there is the knowledge, there is the information. Every I think every riding European country has a, a culture and literature. In Germany, I can tell you, we have books over and over who can give you information how you should train a horse but of course ask how many high level people in our in our uh, federation uh, on the highest level in the competition did reach steinbrecht or or maybe uh, Waldemar soinic or something like this yeah i think you will not find five
0: you think that it's that bad yes yeah, so where to start? Ask, ask
1: them. Yeah? I don't think you will find anybody who really knows it, who, who read all these books. It starts to know. And, of course, I know how difficult it is to, to correct a bad rider's hand. If you, if you get used to hang on the reins and the horse takes the nose up and your hand goes down. I, fa- I was fighting my own bad hand many, many years. It is not because you're a bad guy. It is a free flex. I know how difficult it is. So it is not uh, you you are not necessarily a bad person if you do this, but the first step is always you have to realize this is a problem and I want to change it. It is of course difficult. And because I think a reason why many people get get stuck in this wrong idea is the the right way to turn your, your what you do is very, very, it takes so long time. If there was a quick fix, I think many people would change. Yeah. But there is no quick fix. It takes a long time to get a good hand.
0: And equally long time also to educate a horse. Yeah, of
1: course. Yeah. But of course you can teach a, a horse in five, six years, maybe two Grand Prix, but even in the correct system. But, you, but first you have to get rid of your wrong habits. If a horse takes the nose up and you pull it down immediately without giving the horse one second, the horse is behind the bit again, and then you take 10 kilograms, hold it, and think this is a contact. This has nothing to do with classical riding. Yeah, This is forcing a horse into a frame and pushing it through a test. This is not dressage.
0: Horizontal balance is also a keyword word from this weekend.
1: Yeah, well, this is... I, I call this, this is the, the, the kindergarten and the elementary school. Uh, horizontal balance in our classical system, um, this is the first three points in the training skill. A rhythmic horse, a supple horse, and a horse in a good contact. Yeah, rhythm, suppleness, contact. And this means that your horse stays with the seat, allows the, ho- uh, the rider to swing into his motion, rhythmically, send the horse through a soft swinging back suppleness into a soft contact. The side effect is that the horse's ribcage is coming up, we call this self-carriage, the horse's shoulder blades open up and the horse's ribcage comes, the neck drops to about wither's level, the horse starts to take both reins, the horse becomes straight, the horse becomes a balanced horse, you get a nice soft contact to the mouth, And the horse is ready to be bent. Now, when you read the old masters, you read, we don't bend the horse in the first year. When you travel around, they hang on the inside rein on the first day. And think bending is pulling a horse's neck to the side.
0: And also thinking that it's good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: This is what they think. Steinbrecht says, never bend the neck more than you're able to bend the trunk. So if, if you have the neck inside because the horse falls inside, or even worse, you pull it inside, you are out of the business. You get an unbalanced horse. And this horizontal balance is a is a, a term which sort of indicates that the horse takes the rider's weight as a dance partner, yeah, not as a backpack full of stones, bouncing in the back and pushing. So you swing with your horse. There's a supple rider, there's a supple horse, and you swing together, and your tone in your seat tells the horse to slow down or to go. And uh, this is a harmon... The horse and the rider became harmonious. This is a synonym of balance. You talk about a lack of horizontal balance, you have to state that a too short neck, or if you bend the neck to the side, you pull the neck up, you pull the neck down, you lose the back. So if you given any artificial position because of you are a french god or you are a german or a dutch specialist with nose in front of the chest if you pull a horse's neck somewhere because of you are out the neck is the only arm of a lever the horse can use to compensate the rider's weight so the neck position is natural straight in front of the trunk and the horse falls into a position so that these top line ligaments take over the weight of the back. So this is an arm of a lever. You must not put it in an artificial position because of something. And if you do this, which is very common, that they curl the necks in, they pull the necks up, they pull the necks down, they pull the necks to the side, the rea- horse's reaction in any situation is bracement. They close up, they lock up in the back, and then you sit on a garden bench, very strong longissimus dorsi muscle braces and the modern horses curl in more and run. Some of them slow down and don't go anymore. Others start to buck, others start to fight against you and they don't accept the leg anymore. Others are dumb and they don't react to your leg anymore. They behave as if this is a wine barrel. Yeah. So you always have the two big groups of horses one just stiffen, slow down, brace, lock up. And the other ones are hypersensitive flights in the flight mode, run away. And uh, the classical system, horse imbalance, means that this ribcage is up, the neck is out, the back is soft, the rider right is elegant and soft, and can sit down, and everything is harmonious and swinging. It's a nice, wonderful feel to sit on a, on a nice, soft back.
0: I have to say, as an audience during this weekend, it's been lovely to see how you kind of uh, create more harmony between horse and riders with very, very simple means. Yeah. 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 And with with just giving and softness.
1: Yeah. This is just, this is, this first part, is. it's it's a technical part. It just takes some clear principles. And every young horse should go through this phase at the beginning. Yeah. And, of course, this first phase does not create spectacular horses, but healthy, normal horses with a normal walk, a good trot, and a normal canter. And this is the problem. Our baby horses don't have a kindergarten and an elementary school. They go to the high school and the university immediately And to make money. Here we are back to the money. Yeah? And this is, of course, poisoning the whole thing. We have so many wonderful, talented young Riders and horse people, when you only on this weekend, I would say we have almost 10 beautiful young per- people who have wonderful seats, a lot of feel, very talented. So why should I teach these people to pull horses' heads somewhere? Le- teach them to learn classical riding, and we will have so much fun in future with our horses and our riders.
0: I would thank you ever so much for for, uh, taking time in the business schedule and after a long weekend for this interview. I'm really, really grateful for it, Gert. You're welcome. Could I also ask you quickly to, uh, or not quickly, but uh, I have this signature question on the podcast Mm -hmm. where I ask if there is any one particular thing that you think is really important that everybody who deals with horses knows and that tends to, you know, maybe easily be forgotten or overlooked, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, for sure you have pinpointed a lot of issues already, but if you have like one specific thing. Well,
1: um, I would pick one thing to answer this million things I would love to say now, yeah, because there is a million things you have to know. And if you want to break it down to one thing, every rider who is a talented person, who is a very experienced rider, who rode many horses over many years, and who is interested to really get it, my po- pinpoint thing is you have to start to read the old masters. If you don't feed your brain all your talent, all the exercise is only on the surface. If you If you want to understand more, if you want to dive deeper, if you want to really get it, you, there is no way around Steinbrecht, Waldemar and so on. All these books are translated to English and to several languages. This is available. This is very, very important knowledge. And be aware, don't be frustrated if there is a day or a week where you are not the best writer. It is a very long process. I would love to end this interview with a quote from Charles de Confi, who is a wonderful older person, meanwhile, who really learned classical writing in the school in Hungary with Josipovic. There was a school in the 50s uh, in a very very much like the Vienna Writing School. It existed only a few years because of the Russians invading Hungary. But uh, in these short years, he, this guy got his imprinting in this school, And he has a wonderful, wonderful talk about the classical riding culture. A young lady asked him, Mr. De Confi, how long does it take to learn this? Then he said, young lady, you know, if you can ride a lot, and it should be a few thousand different horses, you can learn the basics in 25 years.
0: That's a good uh, ending point for the interview, I agree. You put it into perspective. No shortcuts, but... uh, the journey itself yes. is valuable. Exactly. Thank you ever so much for your time. You're welcome. You have just heard episode 16 from Clan of the Horses, a podcast about horses and horse people. I want to thank my composer, Frederick Blom. I want to thank my guest, Gert Heuschmann. And last but not least, I want to thank you, dear listener, for your patience. May the horse be forever with you.